I haven't played the ham game, but I'm game for playing ham. <laughs> that, <laughs> that should have been mine. <laughs> should I say I used to throw ham, now I sell it? <laughs> we got it. I don't, though, but you get the point. I do. <laughs> so there we go. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 400. And I'm here to introduce a very special guest, someone who AGs have been asking for and about since this podcast slash social experiment began 400 episodes ago. And he is here today. You know him as host of the new podcast, Christory, a familiar face on the Real Housewives of New Jersey and Manzoed with Children and an occasional guest on his mom, Caroline Manzo's YouTube cooking show, Food, Love, and Chaos. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Chris Manzo. Chris Manzo, how are we? I, I think we're good. Thank you for asking. I don't believe you that people have been asking since you started. I don't believe that. But I appreciate you saying it. Well, let me just fill you in a little bit on the history of Andy's Girls. So today is the 400th episode, which is a big Oh, I feel deal. special. You should feel special. And this is, in fact, quite truly a special episode because I don't know. We are in the same age bracket, spiritually mid-20s plus. And I don't know if you watched the Rosie O'Donnell show during your childhood as I fervently did. Okay. So I Rosie, had a squishy. What is it? Squishy? Squishy. A squid. Oh, uh, Oh my God. Remember the things she used to throw? Yeah, the fucking thing. Yeah. I have a funny Rosie O'Donnell story when this is over. Oh, can't wait for that. That'll be a nice little um, palate cleanser after what I'm about to tell you. But um, so you know how Rosie O'Donnell had her, you know, very on the up and up, like fun, communal affection for Tom Cruise? I do. Okay. I really do. That is, in fact, the role that you have played on Andy's Girls throughout the course of the podcast 912 That makes years. me want to jump on a couch with excitement. <laughs> and it will go as well, if not better, than it did for Tom and Katie. So I really very much appreciate that. So I did want to fill you in, um, in no way awkwardly, about the ways that this uh, episode and this conversation with you specifically is quite a delight for AGs at home. By the time this conversation's over, you'll see that really it's very hard to make me feel awkward in any way. <laughs> I've I've seen some things. Okay, great. Well, challenge accepted is what I'll say to that. What's your Rosie O'Donnell story? Oh, I, I, I have to think about whether or not I could tell it. But we went to her house one time, uh, like super randomly. We were in uh, Miami and um, oh, yeah. she just like reached out to my mom and was like, do you want to come to our house and just like hang out? And we did. And there's some funny things that happened. I don't, I have to, nothing <laughs> that she even knows about, <laughs> like just like pranks, like me and my sister, my brother and Greg Bennett was there. And, uh, oh, of course my love. mom, but we were just like playing pranks on each other, like in her house. But like, we always have a little game. Like we always like try to like, oh, who could like, you know, I don't want to say we didn't steal anything, but like that was the goal was to steal something. But then everything was so nice and we felt bad. We couldn't steal anything, but also I'm lying. And maybe by the end, I'll tell you what I stole. But it was. <laughs> so what you're telling me is you considered Rosie O'Donnell's vacation home to be your White House. 
Well, um, meaning, meaning like that's where we were invited and like, it's probably the nicest house I've ever been in. Yeah. Well, that's typically where people take things. Like you hear of celebs going to the talk show and they're, oh yeah, they do their, cause there's the white house insignia. So people will be like, oh yeah, I took M&Ms. I stole what I tried to take an artifact. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to steal something insignificant. Like I didn't want to take her property at all, but like, I don't know, just like something, like something that she might not miss. But okay. everything there looked really nice. So it was like hard. Like I didn't see a, an avenue where we could take things, you know? Yeah, I hear that. And also speaking of looking nice. So you are recording, I believe, from your mother, also known as Real Housewives of New Jersey legend, Caroline Manzo's house right now. Is that correct? Yeah. So myself, uh, my brother, uh, Al has dear Albie. I just started Chris 3 last month. Uh, we call it Studio MB. It's mom's basement. It's something that... <laughs> A a long time ago, we actually, my mom was so early in the podcast game. Uh, she, had, I think it was called, let me tell you something. She had a podcast a really long time ago um, to the point where it was like, you had to go on a website to get it. Like it wasn't like easy to find. Like that's how it was a while ago. And we built this studio for it. And um, she used to do it with Jay Moore. Uh, he had his own like network. Oh my God. And um, wow. we had the studio built out and we started using it and now obviously podcasting, you could do it from your car. So like, right. but we have this cool little thing. I have my little background here. So we, we still use it. And we all live close. So uh, it's a reason to, it's like how we talk to each other now. It's just in, with mm-hmm. microphones in front of our face. So it's just, you know, it's like our, our, our conference room. Well, I have to ask. So you have a new podcast, Christory. I've listened to several episodes, really enjoyed it. I do want to get some of your thoughts on the Manzo Festations episode, which I thought was particularly interesting. Um, But before I do that, I mean, there is a little bit of a joke to the idea that the Manzos have lived their lives in front of the cameras. And with that, is a little bit of a sense of loss of control. Now you have a podcast that you thought up and created and I think produce as well. Um, What is that experience? How has that been for you to be fully in control of what people will hear and the the stories that you want to share? It's been fun. And it's really the only reason that I do it. Uh, I, I don't know that I would do it under a different circumstance. Uh, I, we started Dear Albie a few years ago. Um, and I just, I never really, uh, everyone has a podcast, you know what I mean? And and I, I didn't really want to do my own until I thought there was something that that could separate me, at least where I could explain that there's a concept and not just, hi, I'm somebody that used to be on TV. And now I talk about TV or politics or the news or whatever. So, um, I just was, I just wasn't going to do one, to be honest. I was like, whatever, I, I don't really have anything. And then I I love history. And I think the the thing that I I keep meaning to say in Chris and I always forget, is really not about me educating anyone. It's more me learning something and, and kind of regurgitating that. So um, that's kind of been the fun part for me is I'm learning something kind of live on air a lot of the times where I just do a ton of research. And uh, because that's what I do. I get bored. I, I sit in bed and I watch it. I'm, I'm an like the worst person to watch a movie with because (laughs) what I'll do, I go down rabbit holes and I'll just start Googling stuff. I love Googling like filming locations. I don't know what it is. Super weird stuff. And, but what I do that really drives me insane is this is not to do a Chris theory. I just, you know, the way my brain works, I guess is like, let's say we're to say, you know, Caroline Manzo, you know, featuring Caroline Manzo. And I'd never heard that name before. I'll spend the whole movie wondering who that is. 
and just like trying to find out who and how and what. And I end up Googling and then Googling. And next thing you know, I'm in like 1950 and I don't know why. And I usually end up telling somebody a random story about something. Um, and it kind of became a verb, right? Where it's like, oh, here we go, Chris three. All right, like fine, you know. And I used to just tell interesting stories and things that I read and and just to kind of break ice and stuff like that. And uh, I think like it was just this simple. I told the same story to like three different people on the same day. Um, you know, like maybe I was talking to somebody at lunch or whatever, and all through like you should have a podcast where you just tell stories. Um, and um, obviously Chris three is something that gets my friends will make fun of me or something like that. And and it was a word that that was kind of in the vernacular already. And um, we, uh, I, I shouldn't say we, we, we just kind of threw it together and it was something that I probably recorded for like two months before I released anything. And then I deleted all that cause I'm a psychopath, but um, finding a cool rhythm and something fun and different and not coming off. And I hope I achieve this, but not coming off preachy or pretentious. Um, I think people would expect something a little sillier from me. And I think that's the fun part that I get to be a little bit. I don't think I'm like a buzzkill on it. I think it's funny enough, but I think it's more, I think it's a really different side of everyone's personality. Um, and I want to get more of the, I want to do more of the expert type of thing. And I, I think I found a new way to do it where I can kind of uh, do the family thing one week. And then the next week, the deeper dive that I've kind of done on the, the part one, part two thing, because um, I just, I, I like learning stuff and I, I don't want to rush it and kind of, and I have like real, stuff that I do every day. So it's kind of hard to just dedicate all my time to this. So um, it's been a lot of fun doing it. And I don't know if I even answered your question because I just rambled for a while, but it's been, uh, it's fun to do all together. And I like doing something on my own. We had a lot creatively to do with Manzode though. And that's, oh, I think where we, you? not like producer credits or anything like that, but that was the most fun any of us have ever had doing TV. That was the best because um, they were really receptive to ideas about and I don't I don't, I don't want to get anyone in trouble on how it normally would work but like really receptive uh to to different things production wise and it kind of made us feel like we're we can be comfortable producing our own segments and stuff like that when we do do a podcast and um and I think we all all of us from you know my dad to to me and everyone in between um have a pretty good handle on I think creating fun stuff and, and talking and you know going off script or or whatever well, I have to say there's definitely a thoughtfulness that you can feel as a part of the energy that's incredibly present throughout um, Christry and highly recommend that people listen, especially that Manzo Festations episode, which I was like walking yesterday, getting in my steps and sort of losing my shit a little bit over some of the conversation, which was very passionate, but also very direct, which I really appreciate in any kind of podcast or show or really just conversation that I find myself in, including by listening to a pod like yours. And I'm curious, it sounds like you had a great experience on Manzo with children. Do you think that you would be doing a podcast had you not had that kind of experience where like you can kind of keep the faith that the thing you're creating will go the way that you hope? I probably would have done it sooner if I weren't on TV. Um, I, I, I'm a creative, not to sound like, but I'm a creative person. I like to create things, yeah. um, naming stuff and writing. And and um, and I think that would have happened with or without TV. But this is so, I don't even know how to articulate it. But I, I think I was more confident without TV. Like, I don't, 
I don't I don't think I would have cared if nobody listened because why would somebody listen to me as just a, a guy from you know wherever I'm living at that time or what have you why what reason would there be to listen to me so if I have a hundred people I would be grateful for those hundred where now if I don't have like thousands I I wonder what I did wrong because I'm I'm used to not you know my my introduction to to being in the public eye was like four million people a week and getting that kind of uh whether it be criticism or praise or what have you um, through social media and all that stuff, you know, we came up on TV through the rise of that. You know, I started my Instagram account two years into being in TV, started Twitter being on TV. So I, none of this ever came up to me the way the world is now. I've only known it. I started when I was 18. We started filming the show. I'm 33 now. So, you know, a lot's changed. Um, so I was way more hesitant to do it because of the TV thing, because I think it's a louder failure if it doesn't work out. And I'm not um, probably as equipped to handle stuff like that as I might give myself off as I as I present myself to be. But uh, I don't mind failing. That's what manifestation was about, right? But um, it's more just, this is going to come off so rude, but I don't mean it in this way. But um, I don't really like uh, care what people think, <laughs> but... That means in a good way too. Like I don't I I look at the compliments and insults the same exact way. Like you don't really know me. So um mm. and it's uh it, it's weird to be vulnerable in that way. And I think it would be easier for me had we never been on TV because I wouldn't care about what it does reputationally to the people around me. Um, if it feels like a departure from what people know me as, because nobody knows me. You know what I mean? And then I feel like I could be a little bit more even myself where now I do catch myself kind of being someone that I think people expect me to be because of what they've seen on TV. You know, it's subconsciously, it's not like something I beat myself up over, but it's, I could feel it. It's... Well, I mean, life is lived in the subconscious. And I feel like, you know, when you're talking about potential pressure and also perception, I would think in the ways that you appear certainly very grounded in the best possible way, how much of an albatross is that to think of who people believe you to be, which is also based on potentially an 18-year-old you? And then how do you reintroduce yourself? That's the funny part. Um, I guess that's what I mean by saying I don't really care that much what people think. I don't feel obligated to reintroduce myself. It Now I feel like I'm back into just a kind of... a just a member of society, you know? And I, I also think, <laughs> yes. I, I also think I joined a, this is really not to insult anyone at Bravo or, or the work they've done because they've changed the network completely. But I joined a club that was like kind of stiff and old. And now that club is super young and cool. Stiff and old in what way? Yeah. Tell me more about that. I was the youngest person on that network by far at one point, myself, my brother. Oh, the Judice girls, whatever. And there was, then the gap from there was like Rocco Despirito or Patty Stanger. Like it wasn't, (laughs) it it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, Not the same again, like there, but that's what the network was. Right. They didn't really do kids. I'm not saying that we brought this on at all, but they didn't really do the kid thing until Jersey. Um, They had some storylines in Orange County and stuff. And and I have pretty, I wouldn't call it a friendship, but I have nice relationships with a lot of the kids out there. Um, and, um, and it just feels different. So now I don't think you can do a reintroduction. Like I did BravoCon 
And it just felt, I, I felt old and young at the same time because I was like mm-hmm. older than a lot of the people that are on the network and younger than a lot of people. Like, but like, I was like, kind of had this everywhere. I'm not, you know, all the Bravo talent and everything, like very OG kind of approach. But like, I've been off the network for like five years now. And like, I'm older than a lot of the people that are, that are on it. You know, that wasn't what it was. It was, I don't know if I'm making sense, but the reintroduction, I it's, it's, it would be a waste of time. It's a different audience. It's a different everything is kind of what I'm saying. I don't think people know really anything about at my family as it exists today. I think they know that version from Housewives, you know, that that's years ago and where we all lived here and threw ham at each other and all that. But um, like a lot, again, and I think a lot of it's covered on that one episode and was super accidentally kind of, a uh, really honest conversation between the three of us, but um, it changed our lives a lot. And it's kind of like, I don't, I'm not one of those people that were on TV and wonder how I can get back on. I've turned down some pretty big shows. Um, not Bravo, like all the, the cycle that you do when you, when you're off your original show, you know, whatever celebrity Island or rehab or big brother, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but then yeah. some other really cool concepts, like I, I, and I wish I wasn't lying, but like Love Island or one of those and things that did take off. But I just I don't I, I don't consider myself a TV personality at all, you know, so I don't chase it unless it's something that makes perfect sense. Just like Chris Theory, like I let five years go by. It's not about being listened to is more of a creative outlet for me. So moving forward, anything that I do, I really want to do because I think it's a good idea. It's not really so much about getting back in there, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're bringing up a lot of great points, including there is there was that generational gap that was missing at Bravo at the time, regardless of the age of the viewers. And now I think of Summer House and Vanderpump Rules. You're younger than a lot of people in those casts. And yet from like a behavior perspective, it seems like the goal to get cast and continue to have a role is based in a sense of sort of grounded in the chaos, emotional immaturity, where it's probably closer to where you maybe where your age generation was maybe when you started New Jersey versus where you are now. And yet these people, some of them have been on these shows for over a decade trying to figure it out. It's also like it's a different class of uh, celebrity now than it was when we started. We were kind of like pariahs when it happened, like the like reality wasn't really its own like I don't want to like an agency for instance and I I have a very specific one in mind but I don't not like that but they didn't want to work with reality and if they did they didn't want to work with housewives it had to be like a mm-hmm. Nick Lachey type of person that had a talent and then kind of lended themselves to reality oh, now wow. they have housewives divisions in their agencies <laughs> like so we were a little too early on and I oh, I do wonder what would have happened if Jersey entered this Bravo where there's a lot of young and fun energy. And it's a little bit, you know, it's younger. It skews much younger. And back then it really didn't, you know, and I have the evidence of that from every event we ever did is like, and it, it made, you know, I, I met thousands of people through this and, and they were all pretty much in that same bracket. And then I went to BravoCon and I was like, this is not the network that we left. It's a whole, it's like a, it's, it's like a party now. And, um, but it was cool. Like Gia, I noticed Gia, um, was really friendly with a lot of them. And I was just like almost jealous because it was a, I wish we had that when we were younger of other people to be like, how has this experience been for you? We really didn't have much of that, of like somebody that we can 
bounce off of and and kind of you know we were old my brother and my sister and i were either way older than all the housewives kids or way younger than all the housewives so we were in this kind of weird it worked for us because i think that's why people latched on to us we were kind of the only ones in that age group at the time but it's just a different network now and then you find yourself at BravoCon, which has become its own industrial complex. I mean, the difference between 2019 and 2022 I've heard. is enormous. I'm more of a 2019 kind of personality than I am 2022. I live in New York City and I don't ever want to find myself at the Javits Center. So it was it was a big, you felt like you were in a big event kind of space. It was set up to be received that way. I wasn't invited to 2019. Um <gasps> were you not? I wasn't. My mother was. I wasn't. I didn't go to that. Because the first day, and I can go fuck myself truly if I'm wrong on the what day it was, not that it matters, but your mom was at a panel and it was truly one of my favorite moments because it's so inside baseball and yet we all fucking loved it when someone in the audience was like can I play the hand game with ham game with you I brought lunch meat and went to the stage so and your mom was losing her shit because I think she was like how am I throwing ham at this person and it was I mean it was you everybody. I wish we were I wish weeping. I could tell you I wish I could tell you it's the first time a stranger's asked my mom to throw ham at them <laughs> I mean, I've I've done it to like a lot of people. I can't believe the way that latched. That's the thing that's also really funny. And it's like people know me now as Ship Cup Car Wash, Ham Game. I don't think I was 21 by the time I said either of those things. Yeah. Ship Club Car Wash was literally the first thing I ever said with the camera in front of my face. It was the first conversation I've ever had. And it because it was we didn't even know what it was like housewives. It wasn't a brand the way it is now. We thought it, they actually didn't call it housewives when we were filming either. They didn't tell us what network it was for. They, it wow. was, I don't think they knew that they were going to sell it to, to Bravo as a housewives franchise at that point. I think they were either going to, cause that, I don't know how much you know about production and all that, but it's kind of, you kind of sell an idea, you know? And, um, and I think, I don't know that I wasn't a part of, obviously this part of it in the, in the conception, but I remember early on, unless they were just being coy with us. So we didn't, but it wasn't a big enough show to be honest with you that anybody would care if we, at least not in New Jersey, like no one, it was only orange County when we got talked to, when we talked to them, it wasn't like even halfway underway. So we watched orange County and we're like, Oh, this is almost like a documentary. Like we didn't. And we were like, we're going to get voted off the Island because like, we're not this, you know, like they have a, they're very fancy and they're and like you know bikinis and all that and uh the day they came to interview us for the show was the day after it's funny uh i remember it it was remember when david beckham came to america to play soccer oh my god and victoria's we had a TV we had off. a big party to like watch the first game Ugh. um we didn't even care but we just wanted to play beer pong using soccer balls um and <laughs> <laughs> but and it was the next day, and the house was a wreck and my mom said to me she was like there's these people coming here for a show or something. Now looking back, it's weird how casual it was to us. Like we don't, she was like, that's just, it's a, I think if they want fancy people, just be yourself, get them out of here. That was what we all said. Let's be ourselves. So they just don't want anything to do with us because it was like, we're not whatever, again, that upscale kind of, um, and I don't know, we said something wrong because they liked us. So. 
escapism can be found in many ways. And I think if you're looking at a housewife show like Beverly Hills, it's like the she, 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 the you're spending $50,000 on your three-year-old's birthday party. And New York, the escapism can be found on the idea of society and women mm -hmm. fighting for their role in a certain structure. Gallery parties and such. Amen. And, uh, and hashtag gallery girls. And then you think of New Jersey and certainly there's a level of escapism, especially now when people are showing up to group events in absolute full glam. But I think in many ways, the escapism was like the family structure. The, the idea of escapism was like you're directly inside the Manzo kitchen. You feel like you're a part of this. And that's what connected a lot of people, I think, specifically to that franchise. And three totally different kids you know yeah. like you have a kid that reminds you of one of us i would think you know like whoever's out there especially lauren at that time when she was struggling with weight and and just confidence and zero direction as far as what she wanted in life and you look at where she is now and that all played out on tv where she owns a salon and she's a mom and and you know she's every she's the opposite of what you saw growing up and then Again, same with with myself and my brother. You know, we've tried so many things on TV, work wise, but and a lot. Oh, how this go? That's the thing that you get. You know, a lot of things that failed. And you, I mean, I was 19 years old trying to create something like. I'm not ashamed of that. You know that that was pretty fun. So I think watching people go from you know young entrepreneurs from from valeting to the for their dad to being an entrepreneur and opening your own restaurant in Hoboken over the course of a TV show. Um, the span of, of half of a TV show. We only did five seasons. Um, that, that I think is super relatable to people in a way. And I'm not just talking to us. The Judice has had their version of that. The Gorgas had their version of that. Uh, Wachilles, I think had their version of that. Jacqueline and uncle Chris had their version of that. Um, so I'm, whenever I can only speak to my experience. So I'm not saying that we are the center of Jersey or anything like that. It's just, I can only, like I said, refer to well, what I know, you know, I don't know what they deal with on their end, but. Well, I also think the universes, if not individual family home life environments, are so different on Jersey, which is also another thing that's, I think, different from the other worlds where maybe there's pressure to fit into a um, a, a cookie, whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. structure versus New Jersey where the fun can be explored in the fact that, you know, you open the door to one person's house, you know, there's going to be a very different reality happening there than someone else's, which again, I think helps to kind of create a little bit of an audience bond. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, there's things you missed, right? No matter what, because the way everyone knows each other with, with, being family or being really close as family, you're going that story storylines or whatever, they're going to continue when the cameras go down. And I think that's what made New Jersey different than a lot of other places. And I'm sure that stuff happens um, later on, right? Like if pick a city, whatever Potomac or whatever, mm -hmm. now they have to spend time around each other because they travel the country doing press and whatever. And they have all these little kind of subplots and reasons to dislike each other. This is like, we still have to do Christmas with people that we do this show with at the time. You know, we still have to do holidays. We still do, you know, you book a party at the Brownstone for a christening or whatever. That party's happening with or without cameras. So uh, I ran into Teresa at a Christmas party this past December. So, like, it's kind of unavoidable here. Right? It's not New York City. It's not. Is there a show in Dallas? 
very rest in peace. It was okay. a forgotten. It's not Miami. It's not a big city where it's hard to run into each other. It's the suburbs. It's like, you know, the it's we're on top of each other. Like the Wakili's, I don't think they live there anymore, but they live like there, like right there. So <laughs> Jacqueline was over there. And Dino's all within under half a mile. So it's, I don't know. I, I just think it feels a lot more like the everyday neighborhood on, on Jersey because um you just like running. It's weird. It, it's strange. You, you kind of don't escape it, you know? Yeah. And also the kind of dynamics of not being able to escape something when there are different members of your family participating in this reality TV show that may not have known its brand at the time, but is many in many ways structured around conflict and like the hope for conflict resolution, except is that really the goal that anyone actually wants to accomplish? How do you process that as a child of a parent who has you know a big role in a a literal full-time and otherwise on this franchise that often features conflict including with family members who you're gonna see at Christmas I kind of didn't I didn't really absorb it it was more something that um I don't know if I was just ignoring it because I was young or if I just didn't care but the we were always the old men in the Muppets. Like me, Alan, Greg were always there to just kind of make a joke. And, you know, there's a, there's a gif that we always kind of used to send each other, like all of us clapping at a hibachi table. Cause that's what we always did. It was just, we would just, we would, we would pretend we were viewers, you know? Cause we're like, listen, and I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, whatever. I'll just say it. I don't, nothing's fake. You know, I can't speak to again, the other franchises, I have no idea what other production companies do, but I always say it's it's a real reaction to a fake situation. So, like, but in the family end, we would all go on vacation together. We would, you know, but then there's other things where we're saying, okay, we know also that no matter how bad this, I don't know, high heel line release party, we know that this is going to be over when cameras go down and this fight's going to be stupid and we're going to be in a Wendy's parking lot in like an hour. So let's just kind of laugh about it and move on. Um, reunions were weird. Like, cause I never went to one, but that's super. Um, I was always present like in the area because the ladies, Jacqueline, my mom, um, my aunt was, was kind of off the show by like the third season, I think. But so later on, cause they were doing sound stages for a while. I think as the show got busier, they were going to cooler places. And mm-hmm. um, so it was, I think Atlantic City a few years in a row. And that was super emotional for them. Like they would leave like as if they just left, you know, like Guantanamo, like just like really, really bothered, really on edge. Um, that was kind of the only time where I felt like we had a responsibility to like listen and and kind of hear out what people are arguing about and they were fights would kind of arguing what happened off camera. Besides that, it was very much like cameras down. We can keep arguing if we want, but like we're going to do it again tomorrow and the next day. So we're all just going to go home. It was very, uh, I don't want to say transactional because it was real. You know, there's a lot of calls and text, and um, it was, it was a lot, honestly, not it was just, but it was so much that I just couldn't bring myself to care. Like when you say, how do you cope with it? How do you, I just, I, I couldn't really like um I, I couldn't invest too much in it emotionally because it was just 
it felt a little silly to be honest, because also I've never not had a real job during TV. You know, I've always worked either weddings or for my dad or opening my own place. Um, I have a lot of really regular friends that are, that are not in TV, that are not in anything uh, particularly cool. They have like real problems and what kind of cookies pissed you off at your house is just not a real problem to me. So, um, and again, knowing that at 20 was a gift because it was like, I see other people, the way people are invested. I'm like, all right, I don't know why you're so mad about this cookie thing, but like, I'm using that as one example, but it's kind of every example. Um, Cause it seems like more serious stuff started happening when we left storyline wise, like family digging up and forget. I don't know a lot of the people that have come and gone through New Jersey since then, but I know there was like stuff with moms, things that were just a little bit more dark. Um, mm-hmm. We had some dramatic stuff, but I don't think it was dark like that. You know, Danielle's stuff was nuts, but but that was also not, in my opinion, I don't even remember that season. Like, I don't remember filming it. I don't, I remember, you know, and I visually I do, but it wasn't, we were figuring out what we were doing. Like, what the hell did we sign ourselves up for by the end of season one? By season two, and you'll see this with any other show, you know, when people start to look different and they're just different and um, because you understand now what, what you're involved in. So to me, the show experience for me was like season two through the end of Manzoed. Season one was was very different um, because it was all new. I didn't know how to unplug a microphone if I wanted to tell my brother something that I shouldn't say on camera. You know, it was super respectful of the producers and their time where by season five, you're like, you're not going to start without me, dude. I'm going to get there when I get there, you know? <laughs> so, so evidently um, he's Madonna. In no, the no, not, not me. Okay. I, I like Lauren Benzimone. No, yeah. but that's, but that's kind of yeah, the yeah, case yeah. though. You know, what's important and what isn't is what I'm saying. Um, and season one, it was all so overwhelming that, and we had no idea people were going to watch it. Like none. When, when Teresa flipped the table, I remember being like, oh my God, no one's ever going to watch this show. It's about fancy people. And we're like, you know, throwing stuff. My mom just screaming at this lady, like, damn, no one's going to watch this show. That's how not housewives, the culture of TV was then, you know? So it was very, it was a big learning experience. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. 
Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I mean, and yet New Jersey in many ways created that culture in that first, like cop without a, wait, cop with a badge, cop without a badge, cop and badge. Cop without a badge. Cop without a badge. That was a particularly, I think, instructive moment for future housewife generations. The idea of like, I have scoop and now I'm going to reveal it. Or that person saying, I know you've been talking. And, and such a dramatic thing. You know, it so wasn't dramatic. It, it wasn't like, oh, you got into a hit and run in the Wendy's parking lot. And this, no, like this was like a cartel.
Like, <laughs> I don't remember the details of it. I really don't. I, I just remember hearing that and being like, oh, what the hell happened? I don't know anything about what she does now or anything. So I, I'm not trying to bring that, you know, housewives beefs back to life. But uh, that was a wild. That was wild. That was weird. I have been asked before, you know, who would you not want to have <laughs> on Andy's Girls? And two people come to mind. One is a now former housewife who I just feel like would be just real tough as seen on her season and behind the scenes. And the other is unfortunately Danielle. Cause I just like the, we saw enough during the show. I'm a, I don't need that energy. I'm like actually anxious with the idea of that kind of energy, which could not be less made for TV in all of the ways that count seemingly. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I don't know. It's, it, it does make you anxious. Cause it's just, here's the thing. There are people out there, I don't really understand them, that defend everything from every minute of every season that we've ever done. So it's like, I can't even, and it's kind of the discourse with everything these days, you know, you can't really have an opinion on one thing without pissing off half the people in the country. But it's kind of like, I don't even, it's like Voldemort. Like, I don't want to say certain names because people just start coming out of the woodwork to get mad at you. And I'm like, dude, all I'm saying is I'm referencing something I did 12 years ago. Like, the obsession people think like the word relevancy comes up a lot. Like, oh, you're not relevant anymore. You're not relevant. That's something that we work so hard on as a family to not be as relevant because we want to just, we're not getting paid for it anymore. You know, it's not the job that it used to be. We're not getting, you know, flown all over the country to do different events and stuff like that. So I'm happy to talk to anyone that's friendly and and that want, it's a weird thing to do a reality TV show, right? People are going to have a lot of questions totally used to answering them but it's when people expect you to it's like not um i don't know it's just very i'm trying to think of the word like uh like people are very protective over housewives like over their housewives and um i don't think the house like people have tweeted me and i always respond with the same thing team manto till i die and i'm like i'm not like i i would choose a new name before i die like <laughs> do not offer me that level of loyalty. Like, I'm not going to give it back. I d don't do that. Like, don't do that for anyone at all. <laughs> so, but that's, the, and it's the same energy though for every, and everyone's got their own little camp, you know, and there's, I guess, um, it just, I don't know. It's cool. I get it though. Cause I'm a sports fan, you know? So I get that passion. Like, but I just, but I think the same thing with sports. Like I don't punch a wall when my team loses. I don't get mad when someone says my team sucks. It's just like, that's fine. That's, you know, just different. I mean, that is also the dichotomy here. You're talking as someone who seems to have kept like a very healthy sense of humor about all of this, including the stakes, which are incredibly specific. And yet people are tweeting you however many years later, either referencing or trying to shame you for something that you may not have participated in or had knowledge of, but purely because of their sense of loyalty to a camp they see as not being one that you're in. That's, I, I would think that's a lot to process because do you, can you ever really remove yourself from that? I thought so. And I think we have, um, I, I have, I think, but it's also like, I don't defend anything either. So the way I don't attack anybody that's ever been on the network or, or things that I've been a part of or whatever. Um, I've also never, um, I've never defended anything that I feel like we've 
been accused of on the show. Oh, you guys are so this. No, we're not. We never did that. It's, and I never hype it up either. If someone says we're the funniest family ever and bring them back to Bravo. You never see me retweet stuff like that or repost it on Instagram or whatever um, because it's over, you know? And I can talk about what's happened in the past and I'll answer any questions if I'm having a good conversation, but I don't really see the purpose of saying something bad about any of the people we've done the show with in the past, whether I like them or not. I think people would be really, this is sad. I think, so Gia posted a picture of myself, my brother, Frankie, and her um, at BravoCon. And it like bothered people. Like I got like, people like were annoyed with with me, I'm assuming with her, with Frankie, like we're not supposed to like each other. And that's so dumb. Like (sighs) I saw Teresa at that party, like I said, walked right up. Hi, how are you? And I think it would disappoint people to know that there's not, actual animosity i don't want to speak for the women my mom i swear on anything that you'd like me to swear on i can't remember the last time she said a word about Teresa, danielle anybody in a negative way we talk about the weather we talk about the future we talk about business we all have our own little things projects happening that are keeping us extremely busy and if you notice we don't i've opened a few restaurants i've i've I'm, i've done a couple things and I don't really post about it very often because I don't, I want to, I want to build a new reputation for myself and and get it done that way. And kind of like the podcast that the show never happened. Right. I don't need to rely on the Bravo people because I don't think I'm doing a good job. If I have to convince people to watch me on TV, to come see me at work, like my work should just speak for my work. And, and so I don't look at it as a, a part of my fabric, you know, like it's just something I did, not something I do. I totally can appreciate and respect the separation, but do you feel ever like that's a missed opportunity? That there are people who are listening, who want to see how your story is continued, including opening up a restaurant, whatever project that you're working on. Is there a sense that you ever feel sometimes of like, as much as I want to ensure that people are aware that I'm focused on the here and now, what I have done and not trying to associate myself with that in order to you know, have that be a part of the recipe for success. Why not? If I thought the story would be told that way, I would love to do that. Okay. Um, If somebody from a, um, I'm trying to think of what I could say. I've spoken to people another, I'm not, the, the TV door is not closed forever. I'm not speaking for my mother. I'm not speaking for my brother, my sister. Yeah, yeah. I'm only speaking for myself right now. The, the, the housewives world probably is I'm, I'm 33 for me to keep going out there as a son of, um, you know, my mom or, and going as a kid, it, it, I think it dilutes exactly what you just said. You know, I'm trying to put myself out there as somebody that just goes to work. And if you ask anyone that's ever worked for me, I have servers um, that found out I was on TV a month after they worked there. I, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, so I, I take it very seriously. And I think um, if people, again, if it, if the work that we do, and we have some really fun stuff coming up. Um, and it's been kind of quiet for a minute, but now we have some cool things that we're going to announce soon that are life-changing in a way, um, like real career moves that that took a lot of thinking and a lot of hoping and a lot of good luck. Um, that if, like we got on Housewives, my dad did a really good job at what he did at the end of the day, right? Like it's because of where the town we live in, the way the house looks. Like that, that it it starts in a very material way. Um, 
if I don't get back on TV that way, I don't really have interest in doing it. I'd like it to be because I'm qualified for that next thing, whether it be food related, business related. I'm not a big business person. I, I like food service. I like working with people. I like creating. But if it's something that lends itself to my everyday life, that's fine. If it's where are they now? I don't really find it interesting because I don't think that's what it is. I think it's about other stuff and there's all cast events and I'm going to have to go. And my understanding is Joe and Teresa have a pretty not great relationship right now. I don't see a way where I can get into television again and that not interfere. And that's, I don't know, my dad's, when we did Housewives, my dad had a business that was very proven 30 years in the game and, and all that. I'm not there right now. You know, I've, I would say TV set me back professionally a pretty decent amount and I'm not blaming it. It's just, you lose yourself in that a little bit, um, how to work hard and kind of, you, you know, I, I'm not like a cocky person, but there's definitely thing. It, it took some, some polishing out for sure, where there's things where you kind of like, you start to get used to certain things, you know? And, um, I don't want to get back to a place where I feel like I'm not, or my, I'm not working on my thing, on myself, on my projects, on whatever. And if you want to document that and, and at the speed that I do it, that's awesome. I don't think anyone does that. So I, that's really, it is a missed opportunity, but it's also a missed opportunity to, there's a lot of people that do well without a TV show. Um, and I, I think I could do that. So, um, but again, it's just not worth the risk to me to, uh, I don't, you know, what if I were to, I'm going to bring people into my life or whatever. A lot of the people I dated throughout TV throughout, I just, the type of people that I would date, you know, pretty much every girl I ever dated didn't want to be on television. They didn't want to, they, that was not something they wanted. So um, it made it weird because I would like go on dates or something that were not fabricated, but they were like, it made it weird in my personal life. So if it's something that, if it just doesn't gel perfectly with my personal life, it's just, I, I don't need to do TV ever again. Um, Wait, fa fabricated in what way? Like you were dating, remind me, you were dating on Manson with Children and it wasn't like- Oh totally no, throughout my whole life. I had, oh, I was okay. not not one, you know, but I maybe I was somebody I was dating for a few months or, but everyone I ever dated didn't want to be on TV. So it's just, I live a different life because, and now that's me just respecting her. And that's, there's a few different hers over the 10 years that I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm not saying I'm like dating some over 20 years. And, the royal her. Uh, <laughs> it's the royal week of but, her. But- yeah, I mean, I, I can't ask someone. There's been a lot. I've seen producers ask a lot of like, like really beg people to 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 do the show because I was dating them and they were behind the camera the entire time. But I didn't feel like I was giving my real life because it's somebody that didn't want to be a part of it. So um, I don't know. It feels weird to do a show and not be able to acknowledge a big piece of what I, you know, of my every day. And, and um, I didn't really love that. You know, and I and I would feel the same way for the business. If there's a server, a manager, uh, or I'm I'm referring to a restaurant, but we're doing a lot more things soon. But um, if they didn't want to be on, I don't want them to have to feel like they can't. You know, I can't create Vanderpump, right, with a restaurant if half the staff doesn't want to be on TV. And I I just prioritize the people more than the than the show. You know. And if someone came to you with a TV opportunity tomorrow or you know three weeks ago that involved really requiring some sort of peek into that part of your life how would that conversation go 
Like, is that is that truly a deal breaker for you? Or, you know, how would that how would you kind of work through that? We had an opportunity to do something centered around our work, my brother and I, uh, about a year, more than a year ago. Um, Love the people involved. It just didn't work because it takes a very specific, I'm not saying it's a good or bad personality. I don't know which one it is. It takes a very specific type of person to do television. And it's very easy to hurt people's feelings uh, when you're, you know, if it's airtime or people aren't used to being kind of um, the way producers speak to people is very, it comes off disingenuous if they're not good at it. Um, and it disrupted the job that I was doing for way after the cameras went down. And I was like, we're not doing this because, you know, listen, if you want to offer me enough money that I don't have to work and and my job, then my job becomes being a TV person and that's okay. Uh, but if you want to balance the two, you either have to, again, kind of like buy me out where I don't care what happens because I'm making three times a yearly salary and whatever. And I'll just go hire people that are better for TV, which no one I wouldn't want to do because you're not going to create a good show. It's going to be fake. Or you have to let me just really just go cameras up and let, let us do our jobs. And that's not that's not good TV. So I just don't see how it would work with the way my life is. Um, it would take a pretty creative network, a pretty, pretty creative uh production team because um the 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 glitter of it is gone you know what i mean like for me to look at tv as something that's so exciting is totally gone so it's just a it's another angle of job um and it's cool there's a lot of really cool stuff that comes from it i don't know that i could do cooler things than what tv's already brought me so like all the stuff that you would think comes with it i did so if the not all, but if 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 there's not money in it, to the point of I don't need to do any work, and I can live the life I want, and I can invest in stuff and let other people do all the, I dishwash, I do everything. So I, I, my brother too, it's not just me, but and my sister with her salon. But if you put me in a position where I don't have to do those things, sure, you know I could be a t. A, we as a family we have a saying where I could be half a whore. Like you, you know everything's got a price. You know that's from my mom. That's not me. That's her line. Um, so. But it's, you know, everything's for sale. Oh my God, I love your mom so much. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, we could do it. Uh, you know, the, my dad, I know my dad has no intention of selling the brownstone. Somebody comes up with a check, with a blank check, he can sell the brownstone. Everything has a price, you know, um, including what I want out of my day to day. So I don't think anyone, I'm not putting myself down, but I don't think any network in their right mind would pay the number that would it would take for me to not do the work because I don't have that kind of following or that kind of reputation or whatever. So um would it it would be cool, but it's it's really not a lot different than saying it to just someone totally random off the street. Hey, would you do a TV show? Yeah, for a million dollars, sure. Like like that. But I don't I don't know. I did a lot of cool stuff and it feels like something that I see people um real life stuff get in like get affected and I see people not be who they were when they started and um, really negatively affect lives. I don't have to tell you, you know, you're, you're pretty close to the network. I'm sure whatever the hell's going on in Vanderpump. I don't really know. I know everyone in the world's talking about it. I don't think anyone's going home and they're so happy that they're getting all this attention. You know, I'm sure some people are, some people aren't. I don't know their personalities. I've only met a handful of them a few times, but they, not even a few, but um, I, I doubt they're excited right now, you know, and, and it's, 
a little, I don't want to put anyone down because I know everyone here traffics in, in the Bravo kind of culture and they, and they like it and it's, it's what it's there for. But it is a little weird to see people so excited about lives getting ruined. Um, someone, again, I don't know the Vanderpump story. I My understanding is someone's life is like kind of ruined. <laughs> and Who would that someone be? I, I think is probably I'm not trying to be funny. I don't no, know. I know. I, neither am I. I. I think the perspective in which you see a life being ruined is a little bit of a window into how the kind of conversation that a particular person would have. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sense. I don't know the the lives in question. You know what I mean? So I don't want to speak for any of them. I met them all. I sat in front of them at BravoCon, all, all the Vanderpump. Uh, I don't want to call them kids, but um, super for the most part, nice. Um, and I was just like, I don't know who's really involved in what's going on but like i hope they're all right because they're all really nice and it's like everyone kind of has a little bit of a facade up you know everyone has a whole swagger and a vibe to them when we're doing the show and then we all go to these little sprinter vans and go back to the hotel and everyone just feels a lot smaller in the van everyone feels a lot smaller in the hotel where it's just like it's just it just feels very exhaley and it's like they're they're just people and um there's definitely something to reality television. I'm not saying Bravo, anyone that does this style of TV. Um, and we all know what we're signing up for. That is chaos is currency. And, it, and it's something that um, helps a lot of people that nobody ever sees. You know, the viewers don't see the people that benefit from this stuff. And I think um, people, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that we should start like GoFundMe for sad reality stars. I'm just saying that, there's a lot more real life than you think. And I, I think I'm happy that it's over in a way because it, I don't think I have some superpower that I can't become fame obsessed or whatever. It's just, I just think um, your life, you, you really live your life for other people because it's your job, you know, and it's your, it's how you're known. And it's, and it, some people in the Bravo world, at least live a full life. My mom was, I think like, 45 when it started you live a full life with whatever insecurities you take with you and whatever things bother you you're you're baked like you're done you you're not being formed as a person by the time you enter tv you know so it's it's just a very you learn a lot about yourself and um i don't know I, I think it's easy for people people used to come up to me and be like oh my god your sister's such a bitch i'm like that's not my castmate like that's my sister you know what i mean or my mom or, or your mom's i'm like you talk to me like she's a like she's like we're in this like we were in the same casting room. That's my mother, you know, and you get it. But I mean, not so much now, definitely not so much now, but I mean, often like often and in a way that's so casual and so bored to just like insult members of my family or whatever, or even people that maybe I got into a fight with my brother. And that was, you have to understand six months ago for five minutes and it aired now. And you're like, Oh, he's so wrong. He's a dick. He always does this. And you're like, yo, yo, I can call him that, <laughs> but, and it's, that's a, that's a sample size. So imagine that, but again, I, I don't like saying names cause it's like turf war stuff, but like whatever Teresa's family was going through during Joe's, Joe's deportation, whatever. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other Bravo stuff that I don't really know. I don't mm -hmm. follow it that, that closely, but like th there's a lot of real life stuff that comes with that. And um, I think it's super easy to forget that because and the answer is always, oh, you put yourself out there. What do you expect? But a lot of a lot of the time, you don't know what you're signing up for. You know, like you walk in the room, you have no idea what the hell's about to happen. Um, I don't know. 
I just think you start to live your life for storylines and totally indirectly. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm happy. I don't feel that kind of pressure, you know? Well, I mean, when it comes to like the family boundary stuff, there has been several incredibly unfortunate instances of people crossing boundaries with kids on social in order to fuck with those kids parents aka moms that is incredibly uh dispiriting at best like what Garcelle's then I think 14 year old son Jax had to endure when someone somewhere hired um uh bots to leave racist death threats on his social media who's that um, Garcelle Beauvais' son, Jax, which became um, pretty... I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, That's a great name. I know. I don't know who that is. But you don't Garcelle... know Garcelle? No. Gar- you would know Garcelle if you Googled Garcelle Beauvais. You have seen her on TV. You've what seen a name. Movies. A phenomenal name. And also a phenomenal housewife who had her own you know, career-long oh, celebrity. Oh, she was really bo- sweet at BravoCon. I feel there bad. There we I go. Know- <laughs> yeah. She was really this nice. This is a little Christy uh, Google right now that's taking place. People think I'm joking when time. I say I don't know anything about Bravo. I really don't. I watch Top Chef. That's it. I can talk to you about Top Chef anytime you want. That's it for and Bravo. You know though. what? You know what fucking sucks is I I have been, I'm so far behind on Top Chef, and I keep when I go to Peacock, I see the little Top Chef like international whatever the hell is happening now. I'm like, oh my god, I need to watch it. Oh my god, I need to. Oh. And then I keep my guy Buddha's on there. I'm two episodes behind though, so I don't know what I missed <sighs> yet. Well, hopefully you'll come back and we'll talk about Top Chef. That'll be my. I, um, I could talk about. I've been waiting for for an outlet to talk about Top Chef, so we could do that together well, one day if you want. There we an outlet has been found. Okay. Um, but when it comes to the kids, like Kyle, same franchise, Kyle Richards' daughter, mm-hmm. Portia, who's also, I think she's like, I don't even know how old Portia is now, maybe 13 or 14 or so, was hit with people leaving comments. Certainly Gia, who's now an adult and is making an active choice to film a different kind of TV where she's getting her own confessionals, which is in, in and of itself. Uh, kids always had that, rel- I thought. Yeah, but it's like a di- she's having different kinds of conversations. I think which on camera is- or like in her own thing. Uh, on, I mean, on camera, but also she's having like adult style confessionals. If that makes any sense, she's she's obviously Teresa's oldest daughter, and will obviously be seen through the lens of being a child. But it feels like there's a different kind of environment happening, where she's having more mature conversations but she's been hit with a lot of stuff on social although that might be a grayer area because of her um I don't know more involved role on the show I would say in some of the moments of conflict but then you talk about Joe Gorga and Teresa and this sense of this might be news to you or not but they're not really getting along right now and there's a sense of finality and even how Andy discusses it, how Teresa discussed Melissa, where everyone's like, it's over. There's no way this is ever going to happen again. And when you think of this happening on TV, like this is a family that we have seen fracture and try to come back together, but stay fractured for years and years and years. And now it feels like this door is closing and we are all inside it. It 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 is, you know, when you think of it, a, a incredibly sort of heartbreaking experience to play out let alone for 10 years plus there's two things that i don't think people can understand about tv until they've done it um i'm not even gonna talk about editing because i don't think i think we're all 
professional enough at a certain point to know what you can and can't edit and you can you can keep yourself less vulnerable um there's ways to do that but two things um for one you'll never know this until you were to do something like a housewives type of show but you need to explain your most um knee-jerk moments things you normally would do in the car by yourself you know so if you and i had brunch and i left and i was like such a bitch i would say it in the car you know what oh, i mean i thought that's what i was saying about okay got it no, you oh, can. you were saying that about me okay no but All you right. or no, you can fine. whatever we'll trade we'll trade i'm not yeah. supposed to hear that in real life a microphone picks it up you probably don't even mean it it's just if i don't say this in the car i'm gonna say it to their face and let me just get it out and then convince myself i didn't mean that on the ride home and we'll be good by the time i get home that's not really how it works you know like you hang up with your boyfriend girlfriend husband whatever you how many times right oh my god leave me alone you never have to explain that because they never know about it because it's your you time you that's usually the thing that you have to explain to somebody on a show like housewives right oh you call them so and so and so and so and so and so because it's recorded and and there's producers telling people that then producers are the second thing that you really know nothing about. And the Gia, I haven't spoken to Gia about TV in a very long time. We talked mm-hmm. at BravoCon, but not about anything but TV. She could go on your podcast tomorrow and tell me everything I said is wrong for all I know. But mm-hmm. we've had some of the same producers since season one. So the trust level that someone like Gia must feel, the the lady who's now a showrunner, I think she did a panel, uh, LV, um, I always feel bad saying the producers' names as if they don't put us on TV, you know? But like... Um, yeah, they're not anonymous. But right. LV started as, you know, a, like a field producer, somebody that just kind of chimes in and, and does what the what the showrunner tells them, kind of the direction to take or what have you. Or maybe she would produce like a, a, a segment with my brother and I where it's not so important to Housewives, right? Now she's running the whole show and I'm sure she's doing a great job. But the comfort level somebody like Gia might feel talking to her who she's known since she's whatever age she started the show at, you know, that's why you might see her be more raw in these interviews because you're not meeting a new producer. It's somebody that you're really comfortable talking to and you probably have these conversations off camera and it's like such a familiar face and you forget they have a job to do and you don't blame them for it, but you don't, it's, you just give a lot more and it's, you give a lot more than you probably would think you will going in because you have a very personal, my sister's wedding. I sat next to one of the producers, like that's who was at my table. Wow. Like that's how close we all get. So it's really easy to catch somebody in the most vulnerable moment because it's like they become your therapist, but they also are your answer to like get your message out there and say what you want to say. But there's six other producers and God knows who else that are doing the same for the person that you're talking about. So it's it's hard to feel like your your message is ever going to get across. But I think that's the thing people don't know is like you're saying think the thing that people most fight about is are things that you never really would say to someone's face or just kind of like your gut check reaction and you're so on edge. There's lights in your face. You never know what the hell's going on. Also, there's no music anywhere. Like when you film the mute, there can't be music on. So it's always really oh still because like they can't clear the music, you know? So like, it's like a very, everyone could hear everything that's being said. So it's like, you don't just feel like you're on your, the cameras aren't what's making you feel weird. It's the people. Because there's lights on you and no music in the background. So it's like, it's it's very weird. How did that work at Lauren's wedding? Uh, 
weddings, I'm assuming, are way different. Lauren's wedding that was not up. For, that was not up for discussion. That was not. They were allowed to be present in Lauren's okay. wedding and film, but they weren't. Um, Lauren probably knows more details. I don't remember, but they weren't allowed to do their normal thing. They were allowed to be like basically the videographers. So like you can enter, you know, you could watch us yeah. do the wedding, but we didn't do um, scenes. We didn't light it. We didn't do any of that stuff. And from a music perspective? Well, it's music was not fun. our problem. However, they figured it out. They figured it okay, out. Okay, great, great, great. Yeah. Because okay. um, that was, there's ways to go. You can go outside. There's other stuff you could do. Um, and again, maybe that's just a production company I worked with. Maybe things have changed since then. But I do know the issue was clearing sound. So it was probably mm-hmm. something you do everywhere. Well, listen, I highly recommend that people listen to your new podcast. Um, I especially really loved that episode. And for people who miss the interactions and the conversations that took place over the course of several years on Bravo, there's a sense of um, a disinterest in editing yourself. So when I was listening specifically to that episode in particular, the Manzo Festations episode, which I just want to say that title over and over, it's just delightful to say out loud, let me tell you that. But there was an openness and honesty in how you were communicating some of your frustrations and your brother was countering it. And it felt like your mom was trying to just like support in as productive a way as she possibly could that included some conversation around your experience on tv certainly around some experiences that you had with work some of which was seen on tv that I thought was incredibly interesting and I'm curious to see as the pod continues to develop and grow kind of like weaving more of those conversations in that's kind of my hope Um, because I just thought your voices are incredibly unique, as are your histories. And from a Christory perspective, Jersey, meaning Royal Housewives of New Jersey, obviously is a part of your past, but people want to hear about your past. And understanding that's in no way, in any way associated with the mission and your mission statement with Christory, it is an interesting part of it, especially to hear you talk about it now. It's why I wanted to have you on AG because I think you have a specific voice and a specific experience. And this is a delight for AGs listening. Who are we kidding? Um, But I also really appreciate your new chapter, you know, this book that you've written yourself. Yeah. I I think the one thing I hope I never come off as is something like denounces TV. I'm super grateful for the time that we had on there. Um, It's just something that's done, you know, like I'm grateful for the time that I, validated the brownstone i'm grateful for there's a lot of chapters of my life and things that i learned um and i hope it never comes off like oh tv ruined my life and it ruins lives it's, i i hope that's never the way it comes off but it's certainly a part of, it's nothing i denounce right so it's nothing i won't talk about not my friends aren't afraid to bring it up it's constantly a butt of a joke with, with you know the guys that i've known for since before tv so um it's uh it's just a but you said it pretty well it's just something it was a part of our lives so it's just like ever other things, it's not something that defines us, but it's not something that I I deny or run away from or I'm embarrassed of or anything. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a denunciation. It's just an understanding of the nuance in ways that sometimes people, including definitely members of the audience, decide not to accept or understand. And it's like, well, actually, there's some gray here. It doesn't mean you can't find enjoyment in these moments. It certainly means that you can find meaning. It just depends on how much 
you're comfortable with the temperature rising. Like, but you said it. It's a decision going on. It's you said it right though. It's a decision to not see that. You decide to not right to not course. understand someone's perspective. That's not I, no one's that wrong, right? I don't care what you say outside of a handful of things, and we all know what those things are. Yeah, there's always room for discussion. There's always room to hear somebody else's perspective on things. I think that's part of the reason I wanted to do Chris three is um, you could say really benign stuff and get in trouble now. And I'm not yeah. a cancel culture guy. I'm not saying that there's a lot of good that came from that stuff. Um, but I also think people just want to argue and people just want to fight. And it's like, I, I like to talk. Like I want to have a conversation and I love being wrong. I love, cause that I learned something if I'm wrong. And I, uh, I, I don't think anyone else has been that way lately. Like I it just, people are so certain in their convictions and they, they know what they want and they know what they want to believe. And they're choosing to believe certain things. And I don't, there's a handful of people that are listening to this to, to, to your show that I'm sure don't want to hear anything I have to say. And well, I mean, they might be feeling that about me. But, <laughs> but, sure well, the truth to listen to you messages. They tell but, me that. Yeah. But they, but that, that's the thing. And, and you're not, there's nothing I said that's an opinion just now. And we've talked for a minute now, but there's like nothing I've said that is a, uh, the way I think or my opinion, unless I started by saying, this is just my opinion, but that was just the experience that I had. And it's not really up for debate. It's not really up for that's true. That's not true. What about this? What about that? I just, that's what happened to me. If I told you about my time when I went to Florida, you're not going to argue with me about what the weather was. You're not going to tell me if I waited on a long line at Disney or not. I know what happened. I was there. So, um, that that I think is the thing that people don't understand is like most of what we say when we talk about like manifestation, our past and our history, it's not really up for debate. It's it's how we feel about the way we look at it now. And we look at it very clearly, you know, um, and I, not, not a lot of housewife storyline stuff wasn't touched in that. So I think we might I don't want to confuse anybody that hasn't heard it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's just the way that we look at our lives now. You know, I'm surrounded in this and I wish I could turn the thing around but all magazine covers with my mom and things that they've done and it's like i could you know all the good i don't need to i don't see the point of going on and telling you all the great stuff about tv you know the good stuff that comes with tv that's why people dream of doing it um but and you know the bad but you don't know the murky gray that's like neither and it's just kind of consuming you know and it, and it's um i don't know i i've I feel weird in public a lot of the times. I feel like everyone's looking at me a lot, but I also never, I think no one knows who I am at the same time. So it's like a really, it's a strange, it's a delicate balance, but it's, it's weird. Mm -hmm. Isaac Mizrahi's upstairs right now. And I, I, <laughs> Isaac Mizrahi is cooking probably <laughs> fucking rigatoni with your mother. I am surrounded by dresses in, in the cloths. Why am I not there? A primavera. Making... They're doing some kind of primavera. Like a pasta. I mean, throw in some goddamn gluten-free pan. The people that I have been in this house, food. like that's the thing is, is I don't know. There's very little I regret about TV. So it's like, what's the point of waking it back up? You know, because it's a bigger animal than it ever was. Um, you, it's a lot easier to, to mess up these days. Um, I'm sure there's something I said on, there's definitely things I've said on TV that, uh, wouldn't even make it to air now. And it's been such a short period of time. Um, I caught shit for it then. So I know I'd, I'd be getting whatever it is now, but I was allowed, but again, like, that's the thing is that I, I wish people watched the show that way of look at how Chris or Lauren or Gia, Melania, any of them, the growth, Frankie, you know, little Frank, 
people don't, I don't know if people remember, he was on Housewives with us when he was like eight. So I don't, I think it's good to watch people develop. I think it's cool to see people change. It's all right if I offended you with a joke when I was 19, 18, or if I was really rude, if I was disrespectful to Teresa when I was 21. Now that I'm 33 or when I was 30, when I was 28, I might have said, oh, I shouldn't have said that on TV. I shouldn't have made fun of this. I shouldn't have made fun of that. But that's how you learn, you know? And I think people don't realize that you could have completely evolved to be a different person. You're also catching me and everyone else that's on TV around their comfort zone. You know, like people would always be like, say something funny to me. I'm like, that's, I don't like you. I don't know you. So I'm not going <laughs> to. I can't just, I'm not like a, a, a comedian. Yeah. I, you always see me with my family and I'm always joking with my family. Right. When I'm with strangers, they, they think I'm quiet, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, I wish people knew how intuitive a look they were getting because it's, it's extremely personal. Um, even when it's not something important, some things are just extremely personal and it's like, it's cool. You got to see that. But I think if it were looked at more as like a social experiment, more so than a, I don't know, teams. Um, I think it would people would watch it differently. I mean, that's sort of the thesis statement for Andy's girls. And the idea that while I would lovably counter to the idea that things aren't necessarily up for debate, they're certainly up for interpretation. And the idea with AG certainly as episodes have um, evolved and as the show has evolved, have really focused on the potential of sitting in discomfort and being able to process that. Like listening to potentially a guest say something about your favorite housewife and they say something you wildly disagree with. Does that mean the conversation shouldn't exist? And does that mean the conversation doesn't have value? I mean, that's that's the whole, that's a whole kit and caboodle for AG right there. When I say up for debate or not up for debate, I more mean you can't tell me the way I felt about my experience is wrong. Right. That's I what that. I mean. You can't say, oh, you should shut up and be grateful. You should be on Bravo the minute they call you. You can't. That's not up for debate for people to tell me now how things are interpreted and heard and whether or right. not. Yeah, I agree with you. I apologize if that's how it came off. But I more meant my experience is my experience. And I, I've had enough time to reflect on it and know about it. I've watched almost none of it. Um, to know how I feel about it in retrospect. And I don't think anybody could tell me otherwise at this point you know what I mean which I totally appreciate and also it gets into the idea of like minimizing someone's experience let alone their feelings about that experience especially for you someone who is actually there which is is something that people often do it's a, a way to weaponize your memory potentially or like the very center of your being you don't deserve to feel this way or the way that you felt shouldn't exist or you are wrong for feeling this way because it happened differently because I feel differently about what occurred because I saw maybe an app. I, I saw know, that six not... minute part of an episode right. and I know more about that night than you do. And it's right. like, that's, it's hard for me to appreciate that a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's why your podcast is really interesting because you do dive deep into the nuance and it, rem I don't remember if I said this during our conversation, but it reminds me a little bit of Smartless. I don't know if you've listened to that pod before. It's one of the most popular around, um, but it focuses on three friends who are also celebs, one of whom every episode brings on a guest who the other co-hosts have no idea is going to be recording and it's a conversation that like 
likely includes one of the members informing the other two about maybe their misunderstanding or misapprehension or just kind of reminding them of this other celebrity's career. But it's also very grounded where it's like, they're going to talk about fucking playing golf for 25 minutes. And it's a great conversation because you feel like you're a part of it. And that's in many ways, the highest kind of compliment that a podcast can have, where it feels like you're a part of that conversation, where the purpose of the episode is just the conversation existing. Like, what a great thing that is. And so I think for any fan of that kind of podcast ideal, like the, the, you're just kind of in it. Um, I think that's where Christory kind of shines. I really hope to achieve that. And it's super new still. And I usually need to get the ball rolling before I, I feel really good about it. But that's why I did it the way I do with the part one, part two, because right. I my intention was like, you listen to the first 20 minutes, you hear a story, maybe you do some Googling, or maybe it's interesting enough to tell your friends about at work. And it's just on your mind. And by the time you hear part two, it's first of all, a departure from part one. It, we don't really talk about the history at all. But it's like, okay, I didn't know you were going there with it. And I, I want you to be a little annoyed that you can't chime in. You know, I that that was the goal is I want you to say, all right, well, I'm going to talk to, you know, my friend about, so next week I want to do um, an episode about, um, uh, do you know who Marco Pierre White is? I do. I don't know why. He's the youngest ever Michelin star, three-star Michelin chef. That um, would be why. He kind of created chef culture the way we know it today. Um, rock star. He created a show in the UK called Hell's Kitchen and right, right, he right, moved right. that show over here to, to the UK. He Gordon Ramsay's mentor, um, but he created a lot of things that people don't know about today. And he returned his Michelin stars at like 34. He just mm. quit. He retired from cooking at 44 years old. He just did too much. It, it ruined him mentally because he was so obsessed and he just accomplished his goals a little too soon. Um, so my intention, and I'm kind of cart before the horse here, but tell the story of Marco Pierre White and then just kind of drop it. So you form your own opinion on it. And by the time I'm talking, I'm either talking about what you thought of or accomplishing too soon, or maybe he's ungrateful, but you're going to have an, ideally you're going to have an opinion either way that you're going to be like supportive of, or you want to just know, I wish they thought of it this way. Um, so hopefully that's, I'm happy that that's what you said. Cause that's exactly what I was going for. Like, where I feel like you're a part of it. I, I hope people feel like they're a part of it. Um, and I want suggestions and stuff. And I think for those listening, I'm not, again, I'm not like, telling you about Pearl Harbor. Like, it's not what it is. It's about just a, a random Muhammad Ali concert, right? Is where the manifestation came from. Do you find that interesting? That's cool, right? That whole thing. I bet you didn't care about boxing, prior. That's a cool thing. Uh, excuse me. You, I don't care about boxing. fucking assume I don't give a shit about a sport. I absolutely don't care. Exactly. Yeah, no, but I love, I, I love Muhammad Ali, of course. But, but I mean, as far as like, I don't know, I, I don't, I feel like you hear Muhammad Ali and you think you there is to know everything there is to know, right? You know his whole thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that and you're like, you know, at one point he was a vulnerable young kid who just had the balls to say he was going to do all these things and he went out and right. did it. And somehow that transferred itself today to that's all it takes. Just say I want to do it and then it's just going to materialize around me. And that's just not how it works. And I think I lived my whole 20s that way, which is kind of the, mm -hmm. the idea of that episode was that we – we lived our whole 20s because of, in my opinion, I think because of TV, not to anything Bravo did. It's just the, what I came to as a young kid with success kind of handed. And I, I don't like calling it fame at all, but notoriety, I guess, um, being just dropped at your lap. You just think other things are going to do that, too, because it's how things go. I was making good money and people knew who I was and, 
you know, I could do cool stuff and there's, I, I don't like, you know, dropping names, but there's people I've met that I would have, as a kid, I've had posters on my wall, you know, and that, that I like hung out with, not just, I met that a thing like, um, and my whole thing with that was always like, okay, well that all that seems so impossible, like really recently. So, you know, being very successful in business and all that, I just need to keep wanting stuff because things just kind of happen for me like that. And, um, that's not what it is, you know, and that, that wasn't the experience. Now looking back, I can understand, um, maybe people that would criticize us thinking that, and we worked hard, but never not worked hard, but I was putting in the wrong work, you know, or, and, and I think, um, I didn't understand people that thought that I was, uh, you know, handed things and, and stuff like that. And in a way I never was, but I, I certainly was right. Cause we have a TV show and no one's asking me to be a partner in a restaurant, a big restaurant project down in the water. If I didn't have a show to promote it. So yeah, did I do the work to get there? Absolutely. But the show had to help me with that. And I, once the show is gone, you learn there's a lot of work that comes with stuff. And, um, mm. that's what I was trying to convey with that was, you know, we, we thought, um, and a lot of the people that I looked up to at the time thought that wanting it was all the, the work that it really needed to, that that's all you needed to do just want stuff. And, um, it's really like couldn't be further from the truth. And I just wanted to, it was almost like my, I felt like it was like eight mile where like, I, you don't have to criticize anything I've done. Like I do enough of it. You know, like I know where we went wrong in the past. I know. And again, I'm making it sound like I did something horrible. We just failed the water company and a couple other little things when I was 20, but more just, I, I understand things a little differently now. And I don't want to ever come off. Like if you Google me, it says I'm worth like $2 million. I'm not just not. So it's actually three. Is it three now? No, I was joking. Oh, <laughs> I thought that's what it's I'm, actually I'm, more. Yeah, it's, it's, no it's more three dot zero zero. Right, right. But <laughs> the but the um but that's the thing is it's like it's really easy to think that everything in my life is just hit because on TV they usually like to give you a happy ending and and the there's always you know that's what social media is for right making it look like everything's okay so it's. I, I don't know. I, I I don't like feeling like I'm not representing myself the right way. And I like acknowledging that we had shortcomings. Well, it's a beautiful way to put it. And I would say we don't know about the happy ending yet, but the story certainly continues. So tell the folks where they can listen to Christory and, you know, watch Food, Love and Chaos. Your mom's making a fucking primavera with Isaac Mizrahi. Down. We got some cool Upstairs. people. We have some cool people coming in the in the next few months. Um, how am I not one of them? Is my first question. What? How dare I said? How am I not one of them? Is my I, first question. You show up. That's what I uh, will. I, I'll be there in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that's what. That's what a bunch of. I mean, we have. I don't want to say who. I don't think that it's even official on half of them. But oh, like great. we. But no, I don't even know. I also, as you saw, yeah. one of those famous people in Bravo. I I didn't know her. People were freaking out mm -hmm. over. her. The one that you said before that I Googled. Um, oh, Garcelle. Yeah, yeah like very freaking out over her. So I, <laughs> I never want to make it look like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm too big to know anyone's name. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just like, I don't know. I don't pay attention to it. It's, <laughs> I don't know, Bravo. I'm not the audience. Like I'm not who they're going for anyway. So it's not, you know. Um, there's some cool, there's some fun stuff happening. That's YouTube. Um, we have some really cool stuff happening on the production end of that where we're not just making it like a home video anymore. Um mainly because we just wanted to find, you know, some good people that we could find. We've had some 
some super overqualified people, some super underqualified people. That's me. So I'm not insulting them. That was me doing editing and camera and I did not like it. <laughs> so now we have some uh, people that, that, that are going to do a killer job and uh, really do it justice with guests and stuff like that. So food, love and chaos is going to be fun. I want my mom to kind of bring more of the love and chaos portions in uh, of her life and show a little bit more of the day, day to day Caroline stuff. So it's not just cooking. So you're going to see a lot more of that soon. Um, Chris three has been a lot of fun. That's anywhere you can get a podcast, Apple, Spotify. There's a bunch of others. Google. Um, I might've made that up. Um, <laughs> Dear, Dear Albie was the, was the first, was the first, uh, second, I guess, family podcast, but that's been going great. Same places. And it's, I don't know if you, I think it's people will be into all those different things because they're extensions of housewives in the way that the only thing missing is cameras. It's our lives and it's mm -hmm. our stories and, and our thoughts and everything else. Um, it's just not pertaining to other people's storylines. So it's, it's something that if you missed everybody, especially my mom, food, love and chaos is going to look very familiar soon to what housewives might've looked like in the past. Um, wow. Uh, unless, like I said, home home video y, which I only feel comfortable uh criticizing it because it was me doing that filming. So I'm not being rude to anybody. <laughs> so um but yeah, we 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 kind of threw a bunch of shit at the wall and we wanted to see what was gonna stick and and we have some really fun creative ideas that are gonna be happening. Dear Albie's been great, Chris Three's been great. Um, I know Al's working on some things. I'm trying to get my sister to get behind a podcast or yes. something. So underrated. People really don't know mm. how funny Lauren is. Uh, she's she's nuts, but she's great. So um, <laughs> her daughter is the sweetest thing on the planet. I, we all are. A, she runs our whole show, that kid. Mm. Um, so, yeah, some, some fun stuff happening. Um, I think that's all I have. And where can people find you on social? Chris underscore Manzo, Instagram, Twitter. That's it. I'm not a TikToker. I don't do any no, of this stuff yet. I can't with the stuff and the whatnot, but God bless those kids. I, I, I on Christy, I said they shouldn't ban it, which I feel like I did my part. There you go. You know, yeah. I don't think they should ban it, even though I don't use All right. it. We're, we're making some political statements, some stances here at AG. My thing is, I've never seen Democrats and Republicans agree on anything. <laughs> so when they agree on something. Yeah, this is our purple. America. It makes me nervous. Like, what yeah. is, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's okay. a lot of stuff out there that you guys can be agreeing on that you're not. <laughs> and for this. this to be the thing you landed on is weird. <laughs> it's concerning. It's just, there's a little asterisk there of what the fuck. Yeah. Um, guys, listen, you can follow me on social at Dame Galley. Uh, sign up for the Andy's Girls Patreon. Number one way of supporting the podcast, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls New episode up this weekend talking about that. Watch what happens with Tom Schwartz, someone that Chris Manzo may or may not recognize that name. I know him. But it's okay. Great, great. I've met him at BravoCon. Awesome, incredible. Well, um, a lot of us were reintroduced to him on Watch What Happens last night, so I got some thoughts and feels about that. And guys, thanks for listening to AG for the last seven hundred years, and to Chris Manzo for joining the four hundredth episode. Big deal. I feel Big like I took combo. up way too much of your time. I feel a little bad that my answers were long-winded. Listen, long-winded is our mission statement. So I think you've come. This is your safe space. Is what I would say. And we'll talk Top Chef one day. Yeah, I would love it. I will catch up at some point. You guys got to remind me. 
message slide into my DMs. Let me know that it's still a thing that exists and I will remember and I will definitely remember this episode. Um, so guys, thanks so much for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.